Tonight we're going to hear an amazing story of God's providence and God's protection in the life of uh, Ilsa West and her family. For those of you who are new to Lakeview and do not know who Ilsa is, she was born in Latvia. And uh, she and her husband John and their sons Jonathan and Chris moved to Auburn in 1982, maybe, I think along in there. And they had never been Baptists. Christians were not Baptists. They didn't have a real high view of Baptists. And they started coming here. I was preaching through 1 Corinthians. And uh, so John took me to lunch. Think about joining. He had four pages of questions to ask me. I had about a two-hour lunch. Be careful. You might get on staff. <laughs> and uh, served in diverse ways on our church staff. Uh, as, as a layman, I mean, a deacon and other things. And they had a wonderful Sunday school department of young adults for years. And uh, when we were looking for our first ever minister of missions, I approached John and asked him, and he agreed. And he took us to the nations. And there's seldom a day that goes by. I don't think about John. He went to be with Jesus a few years ago. Another thing I want you to know is you look around this room in this campus, this is the house that John built. We didn't have a general contractor. John served as our contractor. And uh, those are two extraordinary contributions to the life of this church. Now, Ilza had her own ministry. She's the one that started the weekday ladies Bible studies. We didn't have that till Ilza. She came to me and said, can we do that? And I said, well, yeah. And so, they have a huge footprint here, John and Ilza both. And uh, she shared this story maybe three or four times over the, the last uh, 37 or 8 years, but not in a long, long time. And I, I want you to hear it tonight. You, obviously you do too, you're here. And she's written in a book called The Peace Guardian, which you can purchase after the service in the lobby. She'll be there to sign those for you. If you'd like to have a copy of that. I'm so happy to be here tonight and share with you. And it's not, people will say, Ilza's testimony. It's really my parents' testimony. And Mama got to come to this church in the winters at least two or three years. And she says, oh, I love this church. I love Jesus in, in this church. And so that, um, Kim's youngest daughter, my mama would get happy when Brother Al preaches. And she'd say, Hallelujah. And I'd say, Mama, shh, I can't say hallelujah. <laughs> so she got, Brother Al, you tell me. You like I say hallelujah or don't say hallelujah? He said, Ma'am, you can say hallelujah in my church every time. And she'd say, See? <laughs> so she loved this church. And so I, ha I will be thinking of her. So it's not my testimony. It's I was part of a family that God did beautiful things and painful things, but was all for his glory in, there in heaven with the Lord rejoicing. It's God's faithfulness and my parents' obedience that went through 
A lot of difficulties and fires, but the fires refined them. And they got closer to Jesus and wiser to Jesus. And troubled people just sought them out because they would pray with them. They wouldn't just give them answers. They'd pray together and look out for each other. Well, the reason that Latvia had so many difficulties for 500 years, Latvia on the maps has a Gulf of Riga. And all of Europe doesn't have uh, where ships can stay in the wintertime. The only place was the Gulf of Riga, Latvia. So for 500 years, they had different people coming in to be the bosses. So they knew about ups and downs, and communism and Nazism were the biggest enemies, but they lived there and they came and went. My parents met when they both got on their knees and said, God, could you please give me a good spouse? And they would all, their parents didn't take them to church except for special occasions. And they were hungry for God but did not know yet how to receive God in a personal way. So they both married, and Papa had tuberculosis. He was in the Latvian army, and he uh, got tuberculosis really bad. And Mama saw him just withering and getting sicker, and so she was so upset and crying, as a new wife is, she ran home to her mama. And Grandma had just received Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior. And she said, oh, darling, I'm so glad you came. I will show you what God has for you. So she took, her, uh, took my mother to church. And there was a young man who had um, an engineering degree, a Latvian man. And he went to Philadelphia and got an engineering degree. And then he just kind of found a church. And when he walked in, he knew that God was there. And he went forward in that church, and he just set aside the engineering. He said, I've got to be a servant of God. And so that was beautiful. So Brother Kuman was preaching when my grandma found Jesus because he led her right through the scriptures of how you could know that you know that you are a child of God. So Mama came home. You know, she was so burdened before she left to see her mother. So when Mama walked in, Papa knew that holiness had entered their home. And he was just like, but he didn't know how to ask her, so he watched her. And she was humming and singing, and she'd read the Bible. And then at, he would go to bed first, and she would kneel down at the bed and quietly or silently pray. And he'd think, I wonder what you can say to God so long. And so it was just so sweet. So when he was sure that she was asleep, he tiptoed out the bedroom, and the Bible was on the table. And he just, I can't quote all the things that he saw, and he went, I never heard that in church before. And so he was trying to keep up with Mama's new faith, reading hours in secret at night. So God was just beautifully calling them to himself. Well, the uh, Brother Kuman that my mother had heard to preach, uh, he called on the telephone and said, um, I would like to bring a couple of preachers in the choir. Can we come down and have kind of a nice meeting for people to hear it from the Bible? And my father was already stirred, you know, what he was reading. He said, oh, that's a wonderful idea. We can get the town hall. I'll make the arrangements. Just come on. So 
while they were making the arrangements, the whole town was, is this good, is this bad? Oh, we don't want too much religion. We have enough religion, etc. So the day that the preachers were coming and the choir was coming, they went to get the keys and they said, mm -mm, we changed our minds, no town hall. So that was problem. Where are you going to get these meet people, preachers and choir? What are we going to do? So as they're running around, guess who offers to give them a place? The saloon keeper. And he said, oh, I don't think that would do. People wouldn't want church in a saloon. Oh, no, no, my sons and I can lock all the lockers, uh, the, the liquor in the lock uh, closet. And then we can just scrub everything down, and my sons will even make extra benches. So Pop said, well, I don't know what to do. It's a few minutes, they'll be here. But anyway, it worked. Well, it was wall-to-wall -wall people, because who's going to see church in the saloon? And so three preachers preached. And they gave the gospel, the uh, choir sung. And so they told the people, we'll come back and do it tomorrow if you'd like more of that. And so it was just a lot of detail in that, but it was very, very special that it was God-ordained. And it stirred people's heart to the reality of a relationship in Jesus Christ. So after the, the first night, the preacher said, may we go in your apartments and have prayer for tomorrow? And Papa and, and Mom said, oh, sure, please do. So the men kind of got their little places, and they prayed softly aloud, each one for himself, you know, talking to God at the same time others are praying. And so my father heard that, so he started pouring out his heart to God. And one of the preachers came over and said, sir... I think you've been born again. And he said, oh, no, I don't understand that. He said, no, no, but I heard your prayer, and you're confessing Jesus Christ as your Savior. You were asking him to forgive you and to lead you, take hold of your life. And Papa said, oh, really? I do feel better. I do feel good, because he's been, you know, reading the Bible at night secretly. So anyway, it was such a wonderful way in the second um, meeting in the saloon was crowded and it was just very interesting and people got saved. So then they kept in touch with my father and said there's a men's prayer retreat next weekend and it's in such and such a city and we can take two trains. Would you like to go? And he said, oh wonderful, I'll go. So they missed the second train where they had to make a connection so they uh, not borrowed, they paid rent for t taking bicycles. 75-mile trip on a bicycle. My father used to have uh, TB. He didn't know it yet that God took care of it. So they're pedaling, pedaling all the time, and that preacher is singing hymns, and my father said, this is a little, you know, very strange. Why would God have me to do this so long? He was really tired because he hadn't been on a bike for years. So they got to the place, and they had wonderful times of prayer and sharing testimonies. And uh, Papa started thinking, you know, I, my muscles are tight in my legs because I haven't been on a bike. But there's no pain in my chest. There's no coughing. And so he said, I think I don't have TB. So that was a wonderful way for God to just open up my father's direction and be directing him through the, God's word. So... After this was uh, happening, uh, let me get my notes here. 
Almost immediately, there was persecution. And my father didn't understand, you know, why if people are getting saved and want more of Christ and they found how to follow Christ, why would there be people hating so much? So the doctor across the street proudly said, well, when one of their kids gets sick, I'm going to see what's the matter. Is your God busy today? And so all kinds of things like that. And then the sheriff got angry at us. And then other town's leaders got angry at my parents. So they were looking in the Bible for the answer, and they didn't want to uh, miss, miss the, message of, the message of Christ. So this, besides the doctor, the police would come and uh, stop our meetings. Because people would say, can I come up to your apartment? Do you have times of prayer? So Sunday went into a church. And in nine years, there were about 80 people that came to the house church for Papa. And he got recommendations and some training from the other pastors. It was very sweet, sweet friendships. And um, so the police would come and, and falsely accuse them and give them fines. And then a man set fire to their apartment and to their store. It wasn't their store, but they ran the store. It was a general store. And uh, so Pop, in order to know how to walk this way, my father would and mother would pray a lot, and then they'd go to the Word, and then they'd find answers in the Word, how they could trust the Lord. It's not your uh, determination. It's not how you do everything. It's the Lord Jesus Christ showing you and living through you. So there was just real good, tight Christian friendships from that. Um, they were fasting, and they would walk by faith. And so the church became a church, but house church, uh, for the nine years before they had to leave. In 1939, there was a Russian invasion now, in our lifetime, it was the Russians and the Germans fighting for Latvia so they could have their battleships and be the big, big cheeses. So, um, in 1939, when the Russians invaded, in order to, to take control, they sent 30,000 uh, educators, govern, government leaders, and ministers to Siberia. Siberia. What is left? To, to run that city and to run that country. So it was very, very uh, troubling to see that happen. And the, when they sent them to Siberia, they lived in shacks with a little tiny stove, and it was always, almost year-round, 70 to 80 below freezing. So that's how Russians like to rule, because you go to Siberia. So it leaves this, the smaller people, the less experienced people to take those places. So then they come back from my father. Why a little pastor of a house church, but he was on the list. So Papa was always praying and looking, praying and looking. God, what do you want? Where am I, am I going to go to uh, Siberia also? So men in black pulled up a black car, and they start pounding up the steps, an outdoor, uh, uh, outdoor steps, and they came in the apartment and said to my father, you're coming with us. Mama and the children just dropped to their knees and start praying. And as they went outside on this staircase, the Russian men started tumbling and screaming like they're seeing something. And they're tumbling, boom, 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 down the steps and jump in the car and roll out. 
and Papa's standing at the top of the staircase, and he wondered, did they see something I didn't see? Maybe an angel scared him or something else, but it was so vivid. Papa came in the door and he said, looks like I'm not going to Siberia. And Mama, <laughs> Mama said, what happened? He said, I can't really explain it, but they tumbled and screamed and ran off and the black car didn't come back. So God had a plan. In 1940, the Latvians had to for force now. See, they took those 30,000, but they didn't have enough things to keep their clenches on. Um, it's, some people call it the big crab, you know, takes control. And so uh, the Ger it was like whoever had the most resources or army. So the Nazis came in because they wanted the, the Gulf of Riga. So when the Nazis came in, uh, it was so horrible. They killed the Jews. The doctor that lived across the street from our parents' apartment and store, um, he would say the death was the doctor that said, I'm going to see what, what, what happens to their God when they have to come and see me to help to see their illness. So the mother, of the, they had a baby, and so his wife, the mother, also a Jew, per, Jewess, she would come to the back door and ask my mother to read the Bible to her. So they prayed together, and she believed. She was afraid to say it out, but my mother could tell she was believing in it. Well, she happened to look in the, from the upstairs room, and they were shot so people could see it. And the mother and father, the doctor and his wife, were in a pool of blood, and so was their baby. And my mother went into shock. She couldn't speak. She was so, so... And the older children saw it. So Mama said, let's get on our knees. We have to pray. And so they left the, the bodies like that, and then they went after more bodies. So the children, Bob, Mom and Papa would try to say, children, try not to look at death because God has something rich for us. We are going to be in heaven with him, but don't look at death. So they leave it for people to see this is what happens if you don't follow our way. So um, then there was piles of Jewish people piled up, and then... They took the Latvian men, some of this is hard, so I'm going to say it real fast. They took the Latvian men they drafted, and they gave them vodka, and they had to watch the Nazis kill other people, the, the Jewish people. And then they said, okay, now here's your rifles or you get it. So it's in the history books, but it was horrible. The young men were just afraid, and that's the kind of war they were, they were having. So when Dad got an induction that he also had to serve, all Latvians under Nazis had to have the war against the Russians. So when Papa got the induction notice that he was to report at the town hall, and then he would get the instructions. So Papa just prayed and fasted, Mama prayed and fasted, and when he had to go report that day, uh, he kissed Mama goodbye and he said, she says, what, what are you going to do? He, she said, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I don't know what that is. So the town hall was filled, and the Nazi officers at the front desk, and they were giving the plan, and that everybody would get their uh, ammunition and their uh, uniform, and they'd be taken to wherever the fighting is. So when Papa got to the town hall, he squeezed in between all those men, shoulder to shoulder, crowded at the town hall, 
and the man giving in, the Nazi giving the instructions. And Papa comes right in front of him and said, excuse me, sir, I cannot join your army today. Why not? Because I belong to another army. What other army? I belong to the army of the Lord. For nine years I have only carried his weapons of truth and justice and love. Now I can't exchange his, his weapons for weapons that kill his creation. I cannot, sir. He said, give me your papers. Discharged. All the men parted and my father walked out. And only the Holy Spirit could give those kind of words at that kind of time. So as God is... It gets worse some places, but God was with us. That's what it's... And sometimes each one of us will have such a bad time, we'll say, God, where are you? But sometimes he uses the worst things for something to ha open up that's so special. And so the ending has a lot of that too, but, uh, what I will share. So the Holy Spirit knows what to put in our curriculum to prepare us and to season us and to, that we could help one another. So there was a lot of spiritual warfare in God's army, but we have to be part of God's army and God's calling because God's plans are eternal. Uh, big, big war people and big uh, uh, nations boast, but they don't know what's coming around, you know. But when you have Jesus Christ, then you know that you're following him. And so that's so beautiful. Well... In 1943, I was the fifth child, and I was a war baby. So the house church that had 80-plus people were a very close family of God. They just loved each other. And by the way, when they had weddings, that was going to be a wedding becomes a revival time. They have the celebration, and everybody's happy and loving and everything. And the first thing they do is have a lovely outdoor wedding, and then they have invitation for anybody that wants to come and they have evangelism meetings and people get saved so it's just so beautiful that that was pretty common in Europe to have weddings and evangelism so the Holy Spirit knows what we need and he knows what to put on our in our uh, come across our way we had one the Christians that we that we found that uh, we led to the Lord uh, they were so close to one another and so caring and gentle of one another. So in 1944, the Russian army tries again. So there's heavy bom bombing. And somehow he got tw they got 20,000 leadership people to go to Siberia. So what does Latvia have left? Lots of f scared people. And so when the Russian army returned, they were really coming with big bombs. And people have to make a decision. Do I stay here? Because we would see the state church bomb was bombed and there was a huge, huge, big crater underneath. And the big oak trees that lined different streets, you know, they were just taken up. The bombs just smither in, in so many uh, little pieces. So you have to, when you're a child of God, you have to get quiet and listen. And so God, the Lord, uh, through my parents, taught us that. And you have to get quiet and listen and have your Bible. So uh, when the Russian arms, when the Russians had the heavy b bombing, then the Nazis intertwined with the Latvians. They had to try to stand against them. And so uh, 
Papa prayed this, this prayer. Oh, I, I wanted to have it down here. It was when the evangelism meetings come or when another person gets saved. And my father's, father's uh, testimony was, from this day, I only have one Lord. In his hand, I place everything which is dear to me, my life, my family, and all of my life's goal now to belong to him. With my whole heart, I want to be faithful to him. And those kind of commitments give you the strength that you need because you're depending not on your own strength or wisdom. Well, the Russian bombing was so severe that people had to make a decision. Do I wait till I'm killed and everything is... There's so many um, public places and homes, private homes and farms destroyed, terribly destroyed. So Papa was, reading, uh, was praying to the Lord. And he said, am I going to stay here or do you want me to leave and go another place? And the Lord spoke to him several times, just keep going westward. So Papa was uh, making backpacks for the younger children, small suitcases for the older children. And he was telling the oldest one to always keep an eye on this sister. And the next sister, you keep an eye and hold her hand. And if we have to go through bombs, you hold each other's hand. And trust the Lord and follow, follow your papa. So we rehearsed this. And finally, the bombs were so close to our home that uh, our whole building shook. And the, window, the glass in the window, windows just shattered on top of us in a million pieces. And when the, it was such a, a hit that we were, flew against a wall with the furniture. But it didn't harm us. But seeing that... We knew it's time to leave. So Papa says, everybody rehearse. Who are you responsible for? Who are you responsible for? And so on. When we go out and we have to go underneath bombs, you have to follow us and trust the Lord. Don't, don't get scared and scream. Just peace. Papa will say peace. So that was a beautiful word. And when there was a lot of skirmishes and people screaming and people didn't know which way to dart, Papa would say, not screaming, peace. And so you'll hear that a number of times. So Papa taught them that. So as they leave, they have to take their puppy, and they have to take Cherry, the big cow. Why do you call a cow Cherry? Because she had those big balls of eyes, you know, big round eyes. So we had the Cherry to come along and kept us alive because it made milk. We went a long journey with with Cherry. That's what we call her. So you know, Cherry was at peace. The puppy was at peace. We'd have these bombs falling, and they'd make a big, big spot, and Papa would train us. You walk around it. And one of these bombs just plucked into dirt real, real deep, and Papa said, like this, follow us. And it didn't explode. It was a dead bomb. So when the bombs came, he said, Children, if you run to the left or right and you're not with Pop and Mama, you could get hurt. So you follow what we rehearse, okay? Everybody follow. In peace. So whenever anybody got squirmished, peace. And that was all. He had, didn't have to scream. He didn't have to grab us and whatever. So that was kind of our theme all through this that I'm sharing with you. And uh, Papa said... Our steps are ordered by him, the Lord. Now let us walk with the Lord. Let, as we enter a forest, we are going to be aware of God's peace. 
And we learned this in our trials, and we learned that that's how we connect, always stay connected with the Lord. So the peace of God was ruling our hearts, and the Bible said it surpasses our understanding, and it is. It's higher than you can explain, and you just, how can I not be afraid when all of these flashes and, and bombs are falling? So we went to a place that a uh, family from our house church uh, they were like servants for a big farm, and this is where we stayed 20-some uh, days. And um, when we got there, ooh, there were so many bodies already and so many killings. We had the Russians now, and we were on the third floor, and that's where the army was with the radio and the information coming in and so on. And when we'd go upstairs, the, the soldiers took a few minutes to talk with us, and we'd look out the window, and we could see... What did they call them? Foxholes? Where the Russians, the enemies, are ready. When the light comes on in, in, in the sky, you know, then the Russians have their guns ready. So we had a, 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 a family from our house church, and they had seven children. And so they left that, their servants' quarters and came in this potato cellar. I don't know if you had any great-grandmothers that had Cellars where they put their veggies so they would last a little longer before refrigerators. So you're, you're all too young here. <clears throat> but anyway, we went in this potato cellar, and it was just like a bunker. But we had to sit on potatoes. We hardly sit. There wasn't room to sit because they were shoulder to shoulder. And then young Nazi soldiers came in to sit with us because they felt so safe. They felt God's presence. And so when it, it's pretty dark there, and you didn't have flashlights, so, but we were safe. And we were safe because God was there. And so when it would be dark, and you know when you have a dark, it's the nighttime in your home, but lightning comes and it goes, and you, the, lights, like, the lights are on. And, the, and so in this potato cellar where it was just dark, and there were at least two families and maybe a dozen more, and some of them Nazis, and when uh, there was a big explosion, everybody's face to see when that flash comes. And Papa says, first time, peace, everyone can go to sleep. After that, when those bombs exploded and the light came on with lightning, like a lightning flash from the bomb, everybody would turn to look at Papa and he would just... And even the Nazis would go... So it's beautiful when God can speak to you when you try to just hear. And it was just, it was no more than the word piece. Papa's, they would all look. And the puppy would look at Papa. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's beautiful that you can have such a storm and then you have that inner peace because God's in control. So uh, with each explosion, Papa's face was resolute. And I think that's what carried a lot of people. So outside, when we'd come for fresh air, they had to be quick to use the bathroom in the big farmhouse. We'd see a grenade hit a man on a horse, and Papa said, turn your heads, children. We have to go to the farmhouse. And then you'd see piles of bodies. Who's going to take frozen ground and bury them? And danger, bombs coming and uh, foxholes with Russians in it. So Papa would say, close your eyes to death. We don't want you to get calloused. So Papa 
uh, after two days, all our food was gone. So Papa was, when he was a new Christian, his favorite place, time, and place to just pour his heart out to God is to walk in the forest. And there nobody was around, and he just talked to God, and then sometimes he would just raise his hands, and sometimes he would raise his voice. And so before daylight, and he, we had no food, and Papa was saying, wondering if God was going to show us what to do. So he's walking in the dark past the barn and into the forest, and so he loved voicing his prayer. And that's what he was doing. And then daylight just started to show. And right at the bottom of where his feet were in a big tree was a loaf of bread. Not frozen either. He ran back, shooting started, and we blessed the bread, and that was our food for the day. And the next morning, my father said, Son, wake up, take that sack with you. We'll have our devotions together as we take a little walk. <clears throat> so Papa and Giannis, now we called him John, uh, they're going at the same direction, and uh, they take t turns praying. One prays, and then the other prays. And in just a few minutes, Papa says, Oh, pick up that loaf of bread, son, at the same place in the sack. Then they had to run because the shooting started. Twenty-two days in a row, Papa and, and Giannis came for their devotional time and finding their breakfast. Nice loaf, warm bread. I don't know how to explain it. It's God's business. So then uh, that Papa is thinking, what do we do next? So he was asking the Lord, and that's when I also told you, where will, which way will we go if you want us to leave? And the Lord said, keep going west. So we talked with the other family, the Bardashevics. They had, uh, it was nine of them and seven of us. And so as we were leaving, Papa said, no, you always hold each other. And when we walk, we can't stop. Because if you stop at 30 degrees below freezing, you're feet are going to freeze and it could be dangerous, not just painful, but dangerous. So Papa said, that's how God's going to help us. We have to keep walking. So they took a direction towards a, a, a city that they wanted to go through. And the children start saying, there's the Bartosevic family with seven kids and ours and plus a woman that lived with us, a young lady, a single lady. So the children start saying there was no snow yet, but the frost was very thick and white. And so the children said, what's those black spots? What are those black spots? And so they're kind of running, almost like an egg hunt. And they're running and say, oh, a loaf of bread. Oh, this is bread. Oh, our brown bread. And so our, children, our family found seven loaves of bread. And their family found nine loaves of bread for one a day. And God kept us that way. And we walked every day. We didn't have accidents. And uh, one of the men had said, you can look for an empty house. And yeah, there were empty houses because people were in danger. So they left houses open and barns open. But Papa said, I know the houses look good, but they're cold. Let's see if we find the cows. The cows were there. He says, it's warmer sleeping with the cows so we don't freeze. So we had barns because they were better for warmth five or six or seven nights 
every day to, to find and then we pack up and still walk. So it, God was with us and how we did it, it was because of the Lord taking us. So then uh, we come to Saldus, which is a railroad city and uh, they have cattle trains. And so we're going to take a cattle train to a larger city and they couldn't take cattle on the train, so we had to get rid of Cherry. That really helped us all that way, the month and the, and the seven days, for the children to have milk with the bread. And uh, so we thanked the Lord for that. And so Mama came up to a Nazi officer, and he said, could you use a, a cow? And he said, yeah, why do you want me to trade? We need some food. So he gave like a half of a sack, or not a big sack, but a half a sack of farina, which is like our cream of wheat. You cook it in water, and if you have milk, you add milk to it. And so we had that farina, and uh, that kept us from starving for a number of weeks. That feed, When we were in some camps that I'm not going to get into, they'd serve you frostbitten cabbage, and it was nasty and bad. Everybody had dysentery. So anyway, the farina was helpful for several places we had to stay in that I'm not going to uh, get into. Well, on the cattle train, my sister Judy, in English, but in Latvian, it was Judite. She was very, very sick with a high fever. And there's nothing to do for us for, to help us except go to the Lord in prayer. So we, Papa had carried in his pocket a little bottle of oil for sicknesses, <laughs> praying. And so Yudita opened up. She was just burning red. And uh, Papa anointed her with oil. And then after a little while, she opened her eyes and she said, I need some water. There was no water to give. So Mama scraped her fingernails against the cold glass windows of the train and moistened Yudita's lips. And by the time we arrived to Leopaya, Yudita was fine. So God was a blessing in a, through our prayers and whatever we knew to do, just like by conscience or uh, inside, your parent knows what to try. So we, when we arrived in Leopaya, it's this big seaport, and people are going to a lot of war places, to Germany and to other places. And so when we arrived there that first night, they had the sirens. When the sirens are going, that means the bombs are coming. So people are screaming and darting, and they don't know where to go for safety. So Papa is like a sergeant this time. Children, if your Papa knew where it was the best place, we would go there. But people are screaming there. Now, don't worry. They don't know where they're going. But we know where we're going because we belong to God our Father. So put your luggage down and sit on it. If the planes come, God will take care of us. Only time in a month that the planes didn't come. They come morning, noon, and night. But the time we didn't know where to hide, God took care of us. And the rest of the weeks, every day, they came morning, noon, and night. So God tells us when we're under his covering to do and follow him. And so uh, my parents were, or Papa and another man, the other man, got visas and documents to have to go to work camps if that was the best thing to do in Germany. And they were experienced forest rangers to decide which trees are ready to cut and use for the repairing the railroad. So the bombs fell 
every time except that time that we were there un without uh, covering. And also we had a time we knew we were going to get on a ship to go to Germany. And uh, so they knew that uh, I was looking at my watch and seeing what to say. But anyway, we went to have the Lord's Supper in the dark with the Christian church because if you have the lights on, the bombs know to where to come. So you have to stay in the dark. So in the dark, we had the Lord's Supper and passed it around, and it was very sweet. So I would just like to give a few other things that happened. Can five or ten minutes, okay? All right. We went through Germany, and that's a whole other story, so I'm going to just take us to Czechoslovakia. After, and the, it was God intervening in Germany that we got on another train and go towards Czechoslovakia, which got named Czech Republic because it became under the USSR. So God is, is sovereign, and he has his eyes on the children. So there were some good things in, to happen, and again, some terrible, terrible things, but God is sovereign, and he took us through them. Now, there was a lady custodian that had these, um, the people got papers from Latvia. Most of the people were Latvian. The men knew how to be forest rangers, how to choose the trees to, to repair the, the, uh, the trains and the train tracks. So that it was like a good atmosphere. Nobody hated each other. Not, a, not everybody was Christian, but some had some Christian backgrounds. So there were 80 people in one room. We had 80 bunk beds and no mattresses, little straw, and a thin blanket. People got kind to each other. It wasn't so bad. Everybody got severely, severely unto death sick with different kinds of things. It wasn't the same thing. It was almost like such a variety. But if God didn't intervene, they we would have all died because there was one situation. No water. None. An American bomber released his bomb, and it hit the well. So we had no water all week. At the end of Saturday, somebody arranged for buckets for each family, just one bucket for each family on Saturday only. So people are getting boils. They got a lot of things I don't want to tell you, but if you read the book, don't worry. God gets us through, okay? <laughs> but we're all sick, and the sovereign God used all this sickness. So I'll just tell you, the, each family washed in the bucket their person, and then whoever was in the line, and who was first this time gets in the back of the line. So for each week, you're number one sometime. And then you put your clothes in, and then you try to drive them, dry them. And then the mamas used those big iron, old-timey, real iron ironers. <laughs> and they would put them on the stove and take half-wet clothes and sizzle them. Why are they doing that? To kill the lice. Okay, I'm not going to tell you the sicknesses. You can read about them, and don't worry, because we're all get healed, okay? But anyway, this was important. During this time in Czech Republic, before the USSR came, what was going on is trains, repatriation trains. Repatriation means you get to go home. What country did you come from? Oh, we'll take care of you. Get on this train. 
11 million people were killed that went on these trains after the war was over. The war is over, you can go home. They're escorted to the trains. They stop the trains in Ukraine and say, oh, I know you're so tired, everybody needs some fresh air. Then you'll get home. Just come on out, everybody come out, get some walking. And when everybody's off these trains, machine guns come out. 11 million people from a lot of countries were killed. We didn't hear about it till about 15 years ago. President Clinton and President Bush came to Riga, Latvia, where people could come and see them, and they publicly said, we're sorry for those trains we didn't know. We're so sorry. And this was not publicized much about the world. So, all that stuff about no water and all of us deathly, we didn't get on the trains. And mine isn't so horrible, but it's horrible. <laughs> I turned blue every time that we were supposed to get on those trains. I turned blue and went in a coma for days. And a doctor said, no trains because this child has to be buried. Again, every time it was time for us to go on those death trains, I turned blue and I went in a coma. I don't remember suffering. My mother suffered seeing watching them, but everybody was terribly sick. But this is how the sovereignty of God has a plan. He had a plan that we'd all be all right and we'd come to America. And so I just want to end it with a few things. Uh, yeah, I need to end. So, but you know how, what a wonderful God this is. So y'all can get a book if you want to, or you can ask me some questions later. But anyway, an army chaplain found my father, and he saw that he was involved with Russian people wherever he goes. And so uh, he said, There's a, we need a new pastor. We need a second pastor for Russians in Philadelphia. That way we can get a lot of people immigrated and taken care of, and we'd, they'd have a job, they'd have a place to work and, and an apartment, etc. So that's how my parents, um, we, my father knew that he had a call to have a missionary to the Russians. So we went to Philadelphia like that. Give me just one thing on the children thing. This is so sweet. When we got on army bases, we were displaced persons, DP camps. So after the war was over and we were safe, then we lived with the army soldiers in, in the, on army bases. So we had so much kindness. And so I'll just tell you one little incident was so cute. The, the, D, uh, the GIs were so care loving. They were just so loving to us. And so what they do is, when they were assigned to be, they were not like being policemen, they were there to protect us, because we've all had a lot. So they were there to protect us, they were so sweet. So the GIs would, you know, try to find some little thing to give them. So when they were brought their lunches, you know, to the ones that had duty in our base, and so they brought lunch and they saw these big plates, pancakes this thick, this high, a big pat of butter and all this syrup going, and we went, oh, what is that? And they saw us, and they, they winked to each other like, well, we don't really like this stuff. Oh, you know, we'll have to throw it out. Would you want, anybody want this? So that's how we got introduced to American food, and it was so sweet. And there was one other thing that followed. My dad had prayer requests. We had Sunday school, 
and he took prayer requests and he said, oh, children, maybe you'd have a prayer request this morning. So they said, remember grandma and remember this and it was so sweet. And then one, my sister Madra, a few years older, I didn't know what she was talking about. She says, we want some candy. And everybody said, oh, but we've got food here. We're safe here. No, Papa used to have candy in the store and I haven't had candy for years. So that morning, Papa said, yes, God understands the children's hearts. So he made the serious prayers. And then he said, and Lord, you heard what the children requested today. And I said, what's candy? And so we prayed for candy. The next morning, guess what happened? The GIs come in and they got big sacks and they go, <laughs> you know, I can't do that. So we're all running to them. And then they go like this, here. And we didn't know what that was, but we opened it up and they got chocolate everywhere, Hershey bars. And because my, oh, what we did to say thank you. Thank you, thank you. Oh, here's some more. Thank you, thank you. Here's some more. Thank you, thank you. So when my, we ran in to show off to mom and dad, we all had chocolate everywhere. And we said, where'd you get them? We're taken back. Oh, no, mama. God sent the GIs. <laughs> so thank the Lord for a wonderful savior. And sometimes the things that look so bad, God turns them for such a beautiful thing. That's what we want to remember in our hearts. Thank you very much.